Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensi. And for this week's episode, we are going to be looking at our top five current slash all-time favorite hockey players. Nice. Now, this is a list that I've been wanting to do for a very long time because I have a concrete list for my favorite players. And I'm sure you have your concrete list of your favorite players. Yeah. And I guess this might come as a surprise that it's not... I guess my list isn't necessarily very as stats driven as a lot of stuff I usually do, but it's a lot of players that I just really enjoyed watching. There's always something fun about the way the player plays, maybe something intelligent, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. So I guess without further ado, I'm, I get to start this this one off? Absolutely. Perfect. Go for it. Go All with right. your uh, favorite current. Favorite current. So, uh, yeah, I guess with fa- favorite current players, it's been uh, just kind of a Again, a grab bag. Again, fairly biased to players who did play on the Sens, but uh, just a lot of personality on the list. And uh, number five is goaltender Roberto Luongo. Luongo's always been a character. Like, be it the time he showed up on Sports Center making fun of himself, or the time that he had to use the washroom in the middle of a playoff game. Like, Luongo's a guy who's hard to hate. And on top of that, still one of the best goaltenders from the current, from the past probably five seven ten years at least yeah and like he really came into his own when uh he took that starting job in vancouver uh from alex ald i believe uh or was ald gone by then i think ald was all traded to florida oh was he part of the luongo I trade he, i think he was involved in the florida trade yeah but just watching luongo's car- career has just been a delight of good goaltending and a, just a lot of fun stuff and I'm happy that he does get to retire back in Florida. Absolutely. Because he does definitely se- seems to love uh, just living out in sunshine and straight sunrise. Yeah, no kidding. It's absolutely beautiful. And I really hope that there's a, a future for Luongo in sports casting. Because, like, unlike a lot of the guys like Mike Milbury, like Mike Milbury, Jeremy Roenick, or uh, Cam Neely types, where it's kind of mean, you could tell that Luongo. He loves doing it. It's He's having a ton of fun while he's doing it. And I think that's the number... Like, that's probably the best metric for a good sportscaster. Are they having fun? It would be like... He reminds me a lot of, like, Shaq and Barkley on... Yes, uh, I was going to say, those two guys... TNT. Oh, they're awesome. Oh. Like, a segue from Luongo to that. I love how Barkley's like, Yo, can we stop talking about this game? I want to go watch the Sens Penguins. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, those guys are great. But yeah, like, Lou's... He's hard not to like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's had a Hall of career. He's had a Hall of Fame career, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I know a lot of Canuck fans hated on him for years when, when the Canucks weren't doing so well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I always said, it's not Luongo's fault that his team can't score. Or the... De- and their defense is porous. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think the big thing in that 2011 team up until the finals is they had sh- they really shored up their defense, like with introducing Ham Hughes and the emergence of Alex Edler. And we also can't forget Christian Erhoff. Christian Erhoff. Although you still had 
Aaron Rome. Yep. Rip Nathan Horton. All right, moving on to number four. I'm not sure if this counts because he kind of got bounced from the league this year, but Yarmir Yager. Yager's career has been excellent. Yeah, first ballot Hall of Famer all the way when he retires. Mm-hmm. And watching Yager play is just something else. Like, it's smooth skating, incredibly strong on the puck. Yep. And, like, he managed to be all that even at age 45. Yeah, I mean, the, the most simplest way we can explain Yarmir Yager, he's Mario Lemieux but left-handed. Pretty much. And I've got a feeling if Yager hadn't retired from the NHL, he might have challenged Gretzky for numbers. Yep. Like, that's just the sort of career Yarmir Yager had. And it's a shame that he's, like, he kind of got dicked around a bit, like, at the end of, like, at the end of Pittsburgh and then in through, like, his time in uh, Washington and with the Rangers. Like, it was just a lot of weird, like, contract contractual weirdness. And I could definitely see getting burnt out from that. Although he was, he did feel into a personal favorite joke about Glenn Sather. Oh, yeah? He's done his off-season shopping July 1st. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. But yeah, Yarmir Yogurt, phenomenal guy. And uh, I remember reading in uh, Sean Avery's memoir that uh, Yager has this very strong appreciation for other smart hockey players. Mm-hmm. So Yager actually took a liking to Sean Avery fairly quickly uh, because he realized this guy's just a prick. He's he's achieving shit out there. Absolutely. And I know when Mary Lemieux retired in 1997, Yarmir Yager went on to win like three, four scoring titles. Mm-hmm. In a row. And I mean, this is... Yager with Lemieux, well, he was never outshone. Like, either one was not outshone, but the other, they were pretty much equals. Which is fucking insane if you think about it. Yeah. And I brought up the numbers here. Now, this is from HockeyDB. Now, these are all of Yager's numbers. This is the years that he played with Lemieux. Mm-hmm. 57, 69, 94, 99, 70, 149, and 95. Those are just his numbers. With Lemieux. Without Lemieux. 102, 127, 96. And I know his 121 in the 2000-2001 season also had Lemieux playing for them. But I don't know his numbers prior to that. So yeah, that's his numbers. And, I mean, this guy was incredible. He really was one of the greats. Yeah, and it's amazing that we got to continue watching him for just absolutely so long. And, uh... Yeah, it's going to be a weird league without him, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to number three, we're going to start seeing some of Tim Sen's bias come in. Nick Foligno. Really? Nick is another one of those guys that's like, I never, I, I always thought he was going to be a good player, mm-hmm. but I never realized, like, I never thought he'd be, like, first-line talented good. Yeah. And, like, seeing him just lead the, those Jackets teams is honestly very, like, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, another one of those guys, he's just, like, Super humble, super, like, kind of fun. And it makes cheering for the Jackets pretty easy. Like, even... And Bobrovsky doesn't help. Bob Ro- Bob's another great guy, too. Yeah. Yeah, so number three, Nick Foligno. Moving on to number two, Jason Spezza. Spezza's prime was something to behold. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that cash line was probably one of the best that hockey's seen in a very long time. Oh, for sure. Although, uh... As much as I hate to admit it, a line of Toronto could, like the current Leafs team, could assemble some things to rival it. Or even just uh, looking at, well, like that Vegas top line this year was fucking nutty too. Yeah. But uh, 
Spets in his prime was a mobile center who was who was all offense, no defense. Yeah. Like, that was his knock. That and was I the th- big knock. Yeah, that was... Spezza. Well, his knock, his knock was always defense, and he wouldn't shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. Because... Which is weird, because Spezza had this really good shot. Yep, and he had one season, I think he had 30 goals one year. Yeah, so it's, it's not that he couldn't shoot, he just didn't. But at the same time, though, like, his pass was so pinpoint perfect mm-hmm. that I didn't really mind it, except for those no-lookers. Yeah. Although I kind of miss the no-look. Like, the no-look when used appropriately is freaking terrifying. Yeah, because you're expecting him to either shoot it or pass it laterally. Then all of a sudden, he's just left it. He's And then he becomes the screen yep. for a shot. That's that's just a very powerful thing. So it leaves the goalie guessing and can set up some very potent offense. Or just gets the puck back and you can start a cycle. Like, there's a lot... like there, And Spezza was excellent on the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I think a lot of fans will... One of the things a lot of fans will remember about Jason Spezza is the time that Spezza met Crosby below the net. And that really kind of highlights just, like, some of the defensive deficiencies as he got turnstalled three times, then Crosby comes and dumps it behind Brian Elliott. Like, that was rough to watch. And I was very happy that Spezza eventually did become captain of the Sens. Although it was a shame that he was run out of town pretty quickly afterwards. Yeah, but do you ever notice... And it happens with a lot of these star players, like... Alfredson, Keatley, Spezza, and now with Carlson. Really, because they're always willing to leave town under murky circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, and Spezza was no exception to that. Spezza, I think, I think it was management, and I think it was ownership that... And the media didn't help. No. And I feel bad, because, like, Spezza... Although I'm not even sure if it was, like, management, like, Brian Murray-wise, because, like, Brian Murray went out and, as he knows, like, Spezza wasn't getting the tools to work. Mm-hmm. Brian Murray went out and tried to get more tools for him. Like, like in that last season, Brian Murray went out and got Alish Hemsky. So it's like, I feel like uh, what, Murray she, wanted was to Was Hemsky people. on the 2015 cents? Yep. He was a trade deadline pickup. And then both Hemsky and Spezza went to Dallas. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, so it's like, you could tell that Brian Murray wanted to keep him on. Yep. And I feel like... It was, Spezza probably just had enough of, like, the Ottawa media and maybe just, own like, the ownership machinations in the background. Like, at that point, I can't say anything, but the Ottawa media was always ruthless to Jason Spezza, and I don't think they knew what they had until he was gone. And then moving into Tim's all-time favorite, sorry, current all, current favorite player, Eric freaking Carlson. I knew Carlson was going to be it, and it's funny because when I get to my list, I'll, I'll explain why... Eric isn't on my list. Really? I'll, and I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. So I'll let you explain why. He's my favorite current player. Yep. Carlson is magic to watch. He is. And hands down, he would have been on my list. He would have been at number one as well. And I'll explain my reasoning why I didn't put him at number one. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the skating is magic. The, the passing is excellent. His ability to, like, ski plays evolve in real. Mm-hmm. And then alter Like, alter them on the fly. Carlson's ability to just tilt the ice in his favor is uncanny. Oh, you guys, it's unbelievable. Like, we're talking, like, if we're going into the raw fancy, like, the fancy stats, he has the highest relative course yet, plus 15. So, like, that's basically taking, compared to the rest of your team, you're, like, almost 20%, like, the ice is 20% more favorable to you. Right. Like, one in five more favorable to you when as soon as he steps on the ice. And you can see, like, his eyes scanning. And... 
like the sen the sens go from like they can barely move a puck to very confident when Carlson's on the ice. Mm-hmm. And off the ice, Carlson's just he's great too. Like he's great with all the reporters. He's awesome with the local charities. He interacts with the fans very well. Yep. I've heard he's always willing to like sign like he's very good at like signing stuff with kids and that sort of stuff. He congratulates places that let Brian five or six eat there. Yep. So it's it's amazing just seeing that this powerhouse on the ice is just this amazing person off the ice as well. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I've met a hockey player that's as like complete as Eric Carlson. And I think like Eric Carlson should be a role model for pretty much anyone in the league. Yeah, and I know the uh, what's his name, Rasmus Dahlin. He said Eric Carlson is his favorite player. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like Eric Carlson has like a magnetic personality, like that magnetic personality and that winning smile too. It's just like you can't not love him. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because like the Sens had a lot of those. Like, it's funny because like there's a lot of those very kind of generous power like personalities on the senators or have been in the senators on that like especially on that 2016-2017 st- run to the conference finals like you had like as we mentioned the other day we had uh like Cal Turris after the win after he like clinches a series hops in his car and drives off to the condors yep like even Bobby Ryan who's uh, dealt with his own demons has come out and like he's really pushing for charities that he cares about yep he, like Mark Mathot is very big into like Bell. Let's talk. Uh, Luke Richardson and do it for day, da- do it for Darren. Yep. So like, there's a lot, like a lot of just like care for the community and care for others within that dressing room, and it's a shame that it's kind of falling apart. Yep. Yeah. So that's why I have uh, Eric Carlson at number one. Okay. Now I'm going to go into my top five current favorite players. Little disclaimer here. Mm-hmm. I decided to go nonsense bias. That's fine. That's why Carlson isn't at number one. That's why you won't see any of the Senators on this list. Because I try to be as unbiased as I can. Because it was easy for me to be like, oh yeah, Eric Carlson, Mark Stone, and, you know, mm-hmm. I guess Hoffman's not there anymore. But I could have gone that way. I could have gone so sense heavy, right? Well, I think part of being unbiased is just able to balance, like, love of sense while looking at the rest of the league, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was trying to go for. Yep. But at the end of the day, I kind of realized... And I think it's natural for your favorite players to be on your favorite team at some point. Yep. So I, I don't think it's really here or there. Okay. At number five, from the Winnipeg Jets, Dustin Bufflin. Ooh. Now, Patrick Laine was really close to being here on the list. However, I can't see his Amish slash goat beard. <laughs> that you cannot unsee. So that's why Bufflin's on the list. I was not a Bufflin fan when he played for the Blackhawks. Really? I was not a fan. I thought he was really dirty. I thought he was really cocky. Wasn't a fan. It wasn't until he moved on to Atlanta, and then when Atlanta moved to Winnipeg, is when he started to really grow on me. And why it really grew on me is because the guy's a fucking beast. Yeah. I've said that Bufflin, he's like a Soviet rocket-powered tank on ice. Jesus Christ. And he runs through guys like nothing. Like, you remember that Mark Stone hit where... He got hit, and he just sort of flipped. Yeah. That's fucking Bufflin. We've seen guys who've done that with Bufflin hitting him. I mean, I haven't seen a guy that size who moves that quickly since Eric Lindros. Lindros was a guy who could run right through people. He was big, he was mobile, and he was mean. 
mm-hmm. and that's Dustin Bufflin today. And then, like, for Bufflin to, like, want to stick around with a team that's obvious, like, it's having its troubles, but there's the glimmer of hope there, that's really cool. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I guess it's easy to hate on a team like the like anyone really attached to that Blackhawks team, especially when you've got, got a guy like Patty Kane on that team. Oh, Patty Kane. But I didn't really hate the Blackhawks. That was the thing, because Mo- Hosa played for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, Marion Hosa is, like, a top-tier guy. It's, so it's, he's... Yeah, but at the same time, though, Patty Kane really brings it down. It does. It's a shame that he's such a good hockey player, but he's also just a massive dickhead. Yeah, that's, uh... Yeah, it's, that's tough. Yeah. At number four, from the Los Angeles Kings, Anze Kolpatar. Ooh, that's a good one. Now, again, I was going to put Drew Doughty here. But I've sort of soured on him the last couple of years with his antics on the ice. And personally, I just feel that Anze Kopitar is one of the most underrated players in the NHL today. The guy has great vision. His playmaking abilities is second to none. And he's an overall great leader. Mm-hmm. And personally, I feel that he would have put up Joe Thornton numbers had he played on a team that had a better offensive system. Mm-hmm. And more of an offensive mind. But Anze Kopitar fits into that defensive mold as well. Like, he's so solid moving up and down the ice mm-hmm. that I feel like that sort of two-way pressure counterattack system really, really worked for Kopitar. Like, I feel like part of his success is the fact that he, he's in a system that is his. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think... Like, I think Anze Kopitar works in a run-and-gun system, but I think he thrives in a... Like that pressure, that pressure cooker that LA built back in 2012. Because like he'll grind you and then he'll stab you. Yeah. And like that was that was LA's game plan and it worked so well against like the very mobile West at the time. And I just don't think they have the players like they don't have the players for it anymore. But Anze Kopitar, that like that's him to a team. Yeah, because hockey has evolved over the last five mm-hmm. six years, where teams like LA are almost become obsolete because. You have teams like Vegas who balance that out, right? They balance out the tough play with the skill. Mm-hmm. Although, I would be in favor of renaming the Selkie the, Co- the Kopitar. Because, like, Anze Kopitar, it, like, to a T, that, like, he is the modern defen- like defensive forward. I would have called it, I would have said the, uh, the Datsuk. The Dats, yeah, Datsuk there, too. I like that. At number three, and I know our bod Dave... He's gonna love this because I made him I made him say such nasty and horrible things about this player from the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. In my personal opinion, this is one of the most electrifying players I've seen in a long time. And if I was a kid growing up today, he would have been my favorite player. Because he has a real vibe similar to Pavel Burry, just in how he motors the puck, how his skating ability. What he does on the ice, this guy is like the guy's incredible. It's a shame I don't get to watch him anymore. Sorry, I don't get to watch him all that often. Because, like, I remember that game where, like, the Sens got... Like, Edmonton paid the Sens back for their 6-0 drumming of them at the beginning of the season. Yep. Where, it, I think in my notes, I just have 6-1 McDavid. Pretty much. Because it was, like, Carter McDavid... Yeah, it's like, won't, can't stop, won't stop. I do remember you saying that in the show. Yeah, it's like... He's their play against fucking McDavid. And I'm going to say something really bold here. Uh-huh. I think if Connor McDavid stays healthy, consistent, and remains with the Oilers for the next 15 to 20 years, you could see the second highest scorer in Oilers history. 
I wonder if he's like. I wonder if he could even push Gretzky. I don't think he can. I think that number is so high. Like it's too high. Yeah. Like just because of the. I guess it's just era effects at that point. Yep. Because we're talking about like where you could have like a hundred, where a hundred goal season was a thing. Yeah. And we haven't seen a hundred goal season in twenty odd years. Not even that. The last time we we haven't seen a hundred goal season. Gretzky was close and he, he was had close, too. Yeah. But, like, we, but we've had we've had guys like Timo Solani and Paul. Kurt, sorry, yeah. Not Paul Kurt. Uh, Brad Hall. Brad Hall. Who had 76 in 86. That's as close as you'll ever get to it. Ovechkin came to 65, but that's nowhere near 92. Mm-hmm. Although I think, like, part of that is just goaltending in the 80s was fucking awful. Yeah, and even I said on the show, right? An 890 save percentage won you a Vesna. Mm-hmm. So, like, part of that is just, like, you'll never see it again because the NHL is so much more athletic. Absolutely. Like, again, no, like, no disrespect intended for Gretzky. Like, Gretzky would still be a probably still be like Ovechkin tier t- if he played today. Like, just that level of... Like, Gretzky was still very athletic. Yeah, I kind of argue that because Gretzky wasn't the most athletic-looking guy in the world. He yeah. wasn't the fastest guy. He didn't have the hardest shot. He was just the smartest guy out there. He knew where the puck was going. He knew where his teammates were going. But then that hockey, I- hockey IQ serves you so well in the NHL. Yep. Like that plus good enough foot speed and a good enough shot, you're pr- you'll probably put up you'll probably be like hundred point hundred points a season like if like you're you've got a good enough speed good enough shot and you're always in the right place. Yep. Yeah, you're probably gonna be a top line player. Speaking of Alex Ovechkin, number two from the Washington Capitals, <laughs> Alexander Ovechkin. Was it the bender? No, it wasn't the bender, although I do have that in my notes. <laughs> you know, even as an Ottawa fan, I've always been a follower of Ovechkin since his rookie season. I've always been a bigger fan of his than Crosby. Has done one of the greatest players I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. The guy is a scoring machine who isn't afraid to get physical on the ice and uses his big frame to create spaces out there. And I'm, you have no idea how happy I was to see him win the Stanley Cup this past year. And that bender. And the fucking bender, holy shit. Like, that was just... That was just something to behold. Yeah. Like, I love how it's just like, do it a keg stand on the Stanley Cup, to we have to change our camera angles because Ovechkin won't put down the Stanley Cup. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. Like, just the fact that that sentence came up is something that someone at NBC had to consider. Yep. Is like, this man's a fucking champion. Jesus Great. Christ. You can't compete with sh- you love players like that. Yep. Okay, well, head on to number one. Now, I have two. I had two choices on here. I had one and one A. One is Eric Carlson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I may be biased given his tenure in Ottawa. Once a generation talent, smoothest skater I've ever seen, offensive abilities, off the charts. But mm-hmm. he's not at number one. Had he been traded, he would have been number one. Easily would have been. I would have never picked this person from the Boston Bruins, Patrice Bergeron. Yeah. Another one of those like incredibly good two-way centers. Always been a big fan of his. Love his two-way play, his leadership abilities, and his overall demeanor on the ice. Mm-hmm. And even off the ice is great. Which is surpri- which is funny because like that's absolutely necessary to balance out Brad Marchand. Yeah. And, you know, I'll look past the fact that he's French-Canadian. 
What's that supposed to be? Well, I have a bias towards the French Canadian players. <laughs> you know, like I said, not a big Patrick Waugh fan. Did not like Ma- Martin Berger growing up. Well, I mean, Patrick, both of those guys have other issues that aren't because they're French. I know, but, <laughs> you know, obviously, Mario Lemieux. He's one of the few people I will ever look past this. Because I think he's the all-time greatest. Yep. Mario Lemieux, hands down greatest player of all time. But the reason I'm going to put Patrice Bergeron is that he really became my favorite current player after the performance in the 2013 playoffs. I've never seen a guy who got was so battered, so beaten up. And then kept going. And kept going. Like, the guy had what? I can't remember if he had, like, a punctured lung or cracked ribs or something. Yeah, it's almost like the Aaron Car- Eric Carlson foot. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. And this, undoubtedly, this guy will be the next Bruins captain. I've been mm-hmm. saying that for years, and I've been saying once Chara retires, you're going to see him get the seat. Do you think Chara's out this year or next year? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's just, he's gotten re- he's gotten to the point where he might even be a bit of a liability. Yeah, well, he was a bit of a liability even last season with the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is a shame, because I, I really do like Chara as a player. I like Chara, too, and I think we kind of made a mistake getting rid of him in 06, but... I feel like that's a like that's a, a mis- only a mistake in hindsight by, bias, because, yeah. like, no one could have seen Redding, like, the sharp decline of Wade Redding coming. Like, that was... That took everyone by surprise. Like, Wade Redding leaving to NYR and then just crashing. Yeah. No but, one saw that But happen. some could argue that his decline had already started. Yeah. In the last couple of years, not a lot. But, like, Ray Grenn was, like, had that decline not happened, he was the right type of player for that Ottawa Senators team. Like, he was mobile, he could move the puck well. So, like, I feel like, given the information everyone had, I think Ottawa made the right choice. Mm-hmm. But nobody, like, that decline was just, that was a harsh decline. It was, like, worse than Danny Heatley's. And Danny Heatley's was insane. Okay, that wraps up our top five current players. Let's head on into our all-time favorite players. Now, I let Tim go first with the current players, and I'm going to go first with yep. my all-time players. Okay, you ready? Yeah. At number five, and it's kind of fitting. We're in Calgary right now from the Calgary Flames, Theo Fleury. Theo was a tortured soul. Yeah. Even though I grew up a Canucks fan as a kid, I've always admired Fleury as a player. Mm-hmm. One of the great agitators in the game. The guy had superstar talent while being able to get under people's skin. And for a guy who was 5'6 and 160, played bigger than this than he was. Yeah. Like, just seeing him give everything on, on the ice. Like, even before you kind of knew what was going on behind the scenes, it kind of, even kind of forgave some of the off-the-ice off stuff that he was doing with the drugs. Yeah. It makes, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. But, like, him on the ice, it was just, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I still feel this is, hands down, one of the biggest snubs for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Well... I feel his 2009 book, Playing With Fire, did not help things with that. And I believe he's been eligible since 2000... So this is a really gray area, because I don't know whether, when it starts, whether you're, you play your last game in the NHL, or the day you retire. I think it's the reti- I think it's the day you retire. Okay, because if it's day he retired, he's been eligible since 2012... But he played his last NHL, NHL game in 2003. Uh, okay, so that would put him eligible during the lockout. In, like, 2006. Yeah. But at that time, he, Hidget was just banned. 
So, if he gets in the Hall of Fame in the next couple of years, I don't think it will. I don't know. I feel I'll like... I'll be super happy about it. I don't know. It wouldn't be bad to start... I wonder if you'd be even able to start, like, a grassroots campaign for it. Because it's like... I feel like it, he had a great, like... He won the Stanley Cup with Calgary, right? 89. 89. Won a gold medal. Won a gold medal. I think he's got 1,000 points. 1,000. Yeah, so he's got the triple crown. Right there. So you've got the three main things that people look at. Stanley Cup, trophies, points. Points. He's got all three. And he's not in the Hall of Fame. And I think it's because the NHL doesn't... Like, part of it is, like, he... Like, being a critic of the NHL. And part of it is... I don't... No one wants to acknowledge the fact that abuse happens in minor hockey. And if that's the reason, then shame on the NHL. Because you do have to recognize that, like, if there's darkness, you have to flush it out. Mm-hmm. At number four from the Vancouver Canucks, Marcus Maslin. Don't you mean the New York Rangers? No. <laughs> and no, I don't mean the Pittsburgh Penguins, either. <laughs> but he has on my favorite second Canuck of all time. Naslin was my guy during my childhood when I watched the West Coast Express era of the Canucks. One of the best wrist shots in the game helped him score 48 goals, winning the Lester Pearson Award in 2003, while being runner-up for the Hart Trophy to Peter Forsberg, who was his teammate in Moto. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of funny when you look back at this during that period of the early 2000s, Four out of the six Canadian teams had Scandinavian captains. Yeah, you had... Naslund. Naslund. Sundin. Alfie. Koivu. Yeah, and then it would just be the Alberta teams that didn't. Yeah. And that's why I'm putting him at number four. And you know what? I don't see him. He's not going to get the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have the numbers to show he's going to And he doesn't have the hardware. No. But the guy was a great player with the Canucks. And it was really sad how... The fans sort of turned on him after the lockout because that's when you saw the West Coast Express era decline. Mm-hmm. And the Canucks were considered to be one of the cup favorites in 2006. You know, you come in, you get the West Coast Express, oh, they're opening up the game, you got the goaltending, you got everything. And then... Yeah. Because were they were they put out by Edmonton that year? Or? They missed the playoffs by one point. Oh, jeez. And it was the Oilers. And it was the Oilers. And we, saw, and we know what happened to the Oilers that year. Crazy run. They went to the seventh game of the finals. Yeah, and then the next year in 07, they lost to the Ducks. Yeah. And then the Ducks went Which on to win it. Which was total bullshit, because Rob Niedemeyer blindsided Yannick Anderson. Yeah, and... Well, even... I don't want to sound salty, because... The Ducks just decimated the Senators. But, but even, they like... They decimated every team. They decimated... Detroit, every, they did it. Vancouver, Detroit did it. almost eliminated them. Yeah, but you remember that? But Hashik fucked up. Do you remember that Pronger hit on Holmstrom? Oh, that was bad. Stuffed his head into the glass? I'm surprised Pronger wasn't suspended for the whole fucker. No, no. Like, even after the Dean McCammon hit? Yeah, that was bad. Like, that that should have been... That should have been strike three for Pronger. Oh, easy. Well, even Holmstrom should have been... That should have been... More than one. More than one game. And then Pronger somehow was the head of the Department of Player Safety. Yep. Good going, NHL. Well, now George Perros is the head of the safety. Yeah. Hashtag unsafe. Hashtag unsafe. Okay, at number three, I'm going to put another Canuck player in here. Pavel Burry. Yep. The main reason I became a Canucks fan was because of Pavel Burry. And it's really because... And he was the real reason I became a hockey fan as a kid. Hands down the most electrifying player of his era. Burry's speed killed teams. While combining that with his offensive upside... 
And here's some of the numbers I brought up for you. He had two 60-goal seasons in 92-93, 93-94, and he mm-hmm. had a 50-goal season in the 97-98 season. While winning Rookie of the Year with 30 goals in the 91-92 season. And the guy was just something else. And I honestly wonder mm-hmm. what more he could have done had knee problems not ended his career. How many years did he play? Let's see, I think he only played uh, 11 seasons, 10 seasons. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Burry, Lightfield Flurry, another longtime snub of the Hall of Fame. Until he got his nod in 2012. And the real reason he got in, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, he got in because of this. Do you remember when his brother called into a Vancouver radio station and said the reason why he didn't get in is because of Pat Quinn? Really? Yeah. He says because Pat Quinn was on Uh, the board and that's why Burry didn't go in. So it's like bad blood sort of thing? Yeah, and then Pat Quinn put him in. (laughs) Pat Quinn said, I had no animosity towards Burry. Weird. 2012 was a year that you saw some really high-profile snubs in the Hockey Hall of Fame finally go in. Like Babel, Burry, and Animos. Do you think that part of that is just there wasn't a great crop, or...? Possibly, but Sundin got in that year. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And Joe Sackett got in that year. That's a Hall of Fame. That's a Hall of Fame class. Yes. Without question. Bar none. I think this year might be a year to reverse some snubs. Because... Well, Willie O'Ree got in. Willie O'Ree, yeah. Well, I mean, this year and then 2019 as well. Yeah. Because that 2019 crop isn't very strong. No. And we'll get to that. We'll get to that in due time. Okay, at number two, and you are going to hate me for this, I wrote it in my notes from the Boston Bruins, Cam Neely. You fucker. I know you were going to hate me for this, but Cam Neely is one of my all-time favorites. His combination of size, offense abilities, hard-nosed play is what really made him a thrill threat in Boston. And he revolutionized the power forward position, which was later taken to the next level by guys like Eric Lindros and Jerome McGinley. And it's funny, I put two Canucks here at four and three. Cam Neely, back for Canuck draft pick, 83. The guy's just such an asshole, though. Holy shit. Here's what I put. Drafted by Vancouver and later dealt to Boston, is widely considered to be one of the most lopsided trades in hockey history. And again... Another longtime Hockey Hall of Fame snub. The guy was eligible since 1999. He got in 2005. Did, did he make a sarcastic commercial about it? Well, that's great. He didn't. No. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that he's at uh, number two on my list. And we've come to number one. Hands down, one of my all-time favorites. Could be my one of my all-time favorite hockey players. From the Colorado Avalanche, Joe Sack. Like, on the ice, Joe was amazing. Too bad his career ended in the stupidest fucking way. Yeah. Much like Gretzky and Lemieux of the 80s and 90s, Joe Sackick was involved in comparisons to Steve Eisman in the 90s and 2000s. One of the greatest leaders and captains in NHL history. Hands down, best wrist shot of all time. Barna. Mm-hmm. And to me... It's just one of the greatest because not only is he decorated in pros, junior, and international hockey. He's got the hardware. What he did in 2001. Letting Ray Bork lift the the cup first. 
That's class. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of that. Nope. Okay, now that I've wrapped up my top five all-time yeah, favorite... And you know what? I feel like Sackick gets a hard time for his tenure as a GM. Yep. I don't think the Duchesne trade was as bad as we made it out to be for Colorado. No. Honestly, and the year that his team was historically bad, he had Patrick Waugh walk out on him. Yeah. Like that, and like poor Jared Bednar had basically a week to get his team figured out. So like, I feel like Joe Sackick isn't as bad as people make him out to be. No, he's not Steve Eiserman in the GM. No, but he's not bad. No, he tries. He tries, but he he gets fucked over in the weirdest of ways. Like, the Duchesne situation sucked. The Raw situation sucked worse. Yep. Like, I I feel for the guy, but I feel like he actually had a pretty good year this year, all things considered. Yep. Yeah, so I guess moving on to my list, uh, there isn't really a particular order here. But uh, I guess I'll just go through this list anyway, and I'll start with Marty Turco of the Dallas Stars. Okay. Now, Marty Turco was, he was a good goalie, but not great. Marty Turco was funny because he's probably one of the best stick-handling goalies of all time. Like, that guy used to skate out to the red line and pass pucks. Like Martin Broder. Like Martin Broder. They had to that's why the trapezoid exists. I thought it was because of Broder, that's why. It's Broder and Turco. Because Turco would skate with the puck, frequently. And he'd leave the crease with the puck yeah. and just skate it out, pass it off, and away he went. <laughs> yeah, and that's why teams like New Jersey and Dallas could do that because it was like having a third defenseman back there. Pretty much. It was a little it was a little silly, but like Marty Turco, he always seemed to be kind of like another one of those guys who was very very able to just be very solid on the ice, solid off the ice. Yeah. And I really do appreciate that and I I guess I'm always a sucker for a guy who does things that force the NHL to see, oh, this rule we have doesn't work. Avery. Avery. Speaking of which... Oh, God, he hates Avery with Oh, yeah, passion. Marty Turco hates Avery with a passion. And, like... So does Brendan Morrow. So does Brendan... Well, in Sean Avery's memoir, he's like, yeah, Brendan Morrow's probably the reason I didn't spend much time in Dallas. But then again, Avery didn't really care for the city either. Although I'm not sure how much of, it, of that is sour grapes. But I think a lot of it is just he, like Sean Avery, fell in love with the city, fell in love with New York. Yeah, as you would, right? If you've ever gone there. Like it's a, it's an impressive city. Um, but like, Sean Avery is a very interesting player. Now this is a player that will never ever be anywhere close to the Hall of Fame. No, he is not that. Like, as far as skills go, not that caliber of player. No. But I think he'll still retain some infamy, just because of. What he was able to do in so, such a short period of time. Like, absolutely pissing off Martin Brodeur. Boy, buddy. Buddy. To the point where Martin Brodeur refused to shake his hand. I'm at, surprised you didn't put Avery at number one. Well, this is no particular order, but Sean Avery... I have a soft spot for this idiot. Yeah. But the man's... Like, he, like the Hockey News called him Hockey's evil genius. Yep. Like, it's kind of nuts for a third-liner to end up on the cover of, like, a major hockey publication. Yep. That's just, like, how you know Sean Avery was probably the best of the best of the best of getting under people's skin. And it wasn't from, like, your usual, I'm gonna get you, dumbass, like, insert pile of explicatives. It's, like, really figuring things out about other players that hurt them, and then kinda poking like, them. Kind of like what Steve Ott did. Kind of like Steve Ott, but better. Yep. 
Because we're talking about things like calling Martin Brodeur Uncle Dad yeah. or Fatso, making fun of uh, Lindros's dependency on his mother, yep. and just ridic- like just really digging at people. Oh, yeah. And you either loved Sean Avery like uh, like Brendan Shanahan, like Shanahan, Chelios, and those guys. Which is funny because Avery said in his book that after the lockout, he didn't like Shanahan. Yeah. Well, it's he felt like Shanahan sold them out. But, like, a lot of those guys really, and Jeremy Auger, they all really, and Henrik Lundqvist, they appreciated Avery because they saw what he was doing, and it was a lot of value added. But if you're consistently on the other end of that, you probably really didn't like him at all, especially if you're, like, a Mike Madan- like Mike Madano, Brendan Morrow type. Yeah. Where, well, first of all, like, Avery starting his career in Detroit probably didn't help his standing with any longtime Dallas Stars players. No. But have you ever heard the story about Avery in Detroit? where he was going to trash talk Joe Sackick from the bench, and Brett Hall grabbed him and... He's like, no, you don't do that. He says, no, you don't do that to Joe Sackick. Yeah, I think that was in his book, and then Avery's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, it was like, I was surprised. Like, it's funny because he, like, even he was like, I was surprised, but then I was like, wait, no, these teams have, like, basically gone to war with each other. Yeah. So there's, like, there's that respect for it. Except for Claude, Claude Lemieux. Yeah. But, uh, and then it's interesting because, like, you have this guy who's a massive asshole off the ice, but it's interesting that he picked up... He was really someone who uh, kind of championed these causes that are almost impossible for someone to champion in the yeah, NHL. Like, like the LGBT community. Like LGBT... Yeah, LGBT rights were huge. Like, in a sport where people... Where, like, a casual insult is a faggot. Yep. And, like, how are you going to stand up for those sort... Like, the rights of people who are... Well, who have different sexual orientations. Like, it's a very strong hit bill to stand on, and Avery had the guts to do it. The guy goes and works at Vogue. Yep. Like, he's probably one of one of the most interesting NHLers ever. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I just... I love thinking and talking about Avery, because he's such an interesting guy. Yep. So let's get back to your list. Uh, Sergei Gonchar. Okay. Sergei Gonchar is a... He was always kind of on, the, like, that the cusp of greatness, but never really quite there. But he was always a great mentor type of guy. Mm-hmm. Like, he was able to pass on knowledge very effectively. Like, I feel like him working with, like, uh, Justin Schultz has right. really helped turn that career around. Him working with uh, Eric Carlson oh, yeah. probably really helped. And it's... But Sergey Gonchar's best years were... They're all very good years, including the Stanley Cup win in 2009. And I mean, that's why he's been, like, yeah. two-time All-Star, Stanley Cup winner, uh... He doesn't have enough points to be in the in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll get voted in. No, because if you look at his numbers, I mean, he he was always a consistent 50, 60 point guy. Mm-hmm. Which is impressive for a defenseman. Yeah, his best year was in the o three no two thousand two two thousand three season with Washington. He had eighteen goals, forty nine assists for sixty one or sixty seven points. And then he redoes that in Pittsburgh at thirty two, for sixty seven points again, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like for a def- like a thirty two year old defenseman, although it's unfortunate that a lot of people will remember Sergei Gonchar for his last playoff game in Pittsburgh, where he doesn't put a- he gets turnstled, but it looks like he put he put no effort into it, and you could tell that was his last game in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that that will be a lot of the way a lot of people remember Sergei Gonchar, because like he still had a decent amount of hockey left in him. Even though his years in Ottawa were pretty weak. Yeah, but he always put up his best numbers with Washington and Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And 
like he was just great like like a very good like he was very good at teaching mm-hmm. and i think that's what's very important about sergey gonchar and i think that's why that they've gone into or he's gone into coaching now yeah with the penguins and that's just a great fit for him number two we've talked about him a lot this episode but he hasn't been named to a list yet marion hosa this is another hindsight bias thing but the Sens should have never traded hosa well you gotta realize i understand but here's the thing when they signed into that contract that put him right up against the cap mm-hmm. they had no choice they had point. no choice but it's just like hosa's just such a stand-up guy yeah and he has the like he had an, another incredibly long career, and it was a it was a very good career. And I expect Marion Hosa to to be in the Hall of Fame with two Stanley Cups. Nope. Three, three, yeah, three. Like yeah, the man's 2010, had 2010, 2013, 2015 with the Blackhawks. Yeah, the man's had an incredible career. Mm-hmm. Like I think he'll probably. I'm not sure if he's first ballot, but it's definitely just an incredible career. Like great, like great player to watch. And, like, yeah, we've got a guy who's throwing up, like, his best years, like, 100 points with Atlanta. And he never did that before. Didn't do that in Ottawa. Didn't do that in Pittsburgh. Detroit. Chicago. He did that in Atlanta. Like, that's fucking insane. And that was the year they went to the playoffs, and he got paired with... You can correct me if I'm wrong, did they not pair him with Kovalchuk and Mark Savard? I think so. Yeah. Like, that. that's just an insane fucking line. Mm-hmm. But like, look at like look at his ha- hardware too. Like, like he was number two in Calder voting. Yep. Like, he took home a Selk. Has he taken home a Selkie? I don't think so. But like, he's always been on the like he's always been close to these trophies. And yeah, like like three championships, two all star all all rookie all star teams, five all star games, five all star games, like. The, over a thousand points. Yep. Like, I think he's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, it was a great career and nothing but class the whole way through. And apparently he led in hat-tricks in 2002-2003 season with three. Which is freaking insane. What a stat that must be, eh? You lead the league in most hat-tricks. Yes. Like, Marion Hosa has an incredibly storied career. Yeah. I don't see him getting in first year. No. he's. I don't think he's first ballot, but he definitely belongs in there. For sure. And then finally, and this one should be obvious, and this one probably is the number one all time, Daniel Alfredson. Oh, good. That's like, oh, it's going to be Avery, isn't it? (laughs) I really do love Sean Avery, but Daniel Alfredson is a magnificent player. Yes. Like, the longest tenured captain with one team, just like a phenomenal career, over a thousand points. Uh, I believe he had it, I believe he does have a gold medal. With yes, Sweden in 2006, or the year Canada fucked up, uh, he won the Clarence Can- Clancy in 2011. In 2011, you can see that in the Hockey Hall of Fame already. But the big thing is just that, and he was always this. Even the years where he was kind of blamed as the reason why, like his flubs were the reasons why Ottawa lost against Buffalo. Yeah, and even in the 06-07 season, mm-hmm. there was rumors he was going to be traded. But then he just came out and said, no, I'm going to lead this team now. And the rest is history. Yep. Like, Daniel Alfredson is the favorite of a city. And the fact that he didn't get in first... I can understand, like, in some very strong years, he wouldn't be a first ballot, just because no Stanley Cup. 
But everything else around Alfredson is worthy of being put in the hall. Like, just how adored he is by the city. The fact that he is the longest-tenured captain. The fans still love him. Like, the fans want him to buy the team, for God's sakes. Even at the alumni game when he was there. And the players hadn't gone out for their pregame skate. The guys walked under the ice. The second somebody saw Alfie, the Alfie chant started. Yeah, it's like, you have this player who, it's just, like, he attracts all this, like, adoration from everyone. And even though he left, like, everyone realized, it wasn't like, oh, Alfred said le- is leaving us because he's greedy. It's, Alfred said's leaving because he's getting fucked over. And that's just kind of the quality of, like, and every, like, Alfredson was known for being willing to go up and above for charity as well. And, like, he was just a player that commanded the respect of the community. Yeah, I know. I remember seeing, there was something TSN did during the All-Star game in Ottawa. They're talking about Alfredson and the mayor of Ottawa at the time. He says he can go to any function with Alfie in the city. Alfie gets a big cheer and everyone, when they see the mayor, it's like they just saw the repair guy. (laughs) Well, like, I imagine that's probably a similar thing that goes with... Like, even Jim Watson, who's a fairly popular mayor in Ottawa, yep. there's probably a similar dynamic. Yeah, so that's my list. Awesome. Well, guys, I guess that wraps up our top five episode on our favorite slash current players. Tim, do you have anything you want to talk about before we have to close? Am I the only person who ever put Sean fucking Avery on a favorite players list? I don't think so. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Sensecast. Because our bod Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter, at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, G-R-A-W-I-T-E Gipster. Watch his email to talk about your favorite players. Shoot us an email. Third line plug says guest at gmail.com. Yeah. It's a good episode. Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jesse. Go Sands, guys. My time here is up. They're going home!